Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me is my co-host, Carrie R. Blaster. And with us today is our special guest, realtor from the Northeast Ohio area, Heather Summers. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes. We are incredibly excited to have you here today. And we have an interesting story about how you got here. But before I tell that, I am going to ask you our signature question. As you know, the podcast name is The Real View, and what we like to ask all of our guests is what is the best view that they have ever had? Well, I have two best views. The first one would have to be in 2014, my husband and I went to a wedding in Puerto Rico, most beautiful wedding ever, and we had some downtime in between the wedding and the reception, so we just kind of took a drive. We rented a car, and we drove out to this beach that was secluded. No one was there. And we saw a little path that went up a hill. So we hiked up this path and we were at the point at this hill, this hillside. It was kind of a hill mountain. It was a little bit bigger. You could look out and see the ocean all the way to the horizon in every direction. There was nobody there and it was beautiful. So that's the most beautiful view I've ever seen in general. My second would have to be a local view. And I would say in Medina, that's where I reside. Um, I love the Cleveland Metro Parks, and I happened upon a park one time. It's called Warden's Ledge. It's a trail in Medina. Um, I was just hiking it, and I came across these these stone etchings. There was a sphinx. There was a big Bible, and there was all these different things carved into this stone ledge at the end wow. of this path. It was it was yeah. the so cool. Local one. That is cool. Those are great. I love it. Thank you so much for yeah. playing along. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay. So the interesting story about how you ended up here, believe it or not, when we first talked about or publicized that Ohio Realtors was going to launch a podcast, Heather, on your own, you reached out and said, what an awesome idea. Yeah. Um, And we responded with, well, come on, get on. Let's hear about you. Let's hear about what you do. So I love it. I love it that you took initiative like that and that you reached out and we're really excited to spend some time getting to know you. So I was doing a little digging before the episode just to learn a little bit about who you are and why you became a realtor and what you do. But I think that story is best told by you. So if you could maybe just a little bit, and just for our viewers, because they can't see you, you are a young professional. Mm-hmm. You just shared that you are a working mom. Yep. And so you certainly fall into the category of the next generation of leaders at Ohio Realtors. And we would love, love to hear your story. Absolutely. So I was licensed when I was 18 years old. I was the one of the younger ones in the area. I actually took Joyce Wilson's Ohio School of Real Estate Studies. I know she's pretty well known. So I started at the young age of 18 because my dad was a custom home builder and I kept seeing him list his homes with other realtors. And I was like, you know, I need to get my license so I can represent my family's homes that he builds. So if you can imagine, I 
actually did open houses when I was eight or nine years old with his houses. Oh, so wow. imagine a little girl, <laughs> great, <laughs> a little girl just walking clients through, explaining what Advantech flooring is and dovetail <laughs> drawers, just funny stuff like that. Is what That's it so cute. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how seriously they took me, but I took it seriously. <laughs> um, so. Once I got my license, I was finishing up my college degree, working another job. And then just this past May, I had my first daughter and I stopped working my other job. And now I'm just strictly a full-time realtor. So I think that in this industry being younger, I just turned 32. It really helps because a lot of our buyers now are millennials and even younger, and they can relate to me and I can relate to them because a lot of them are working a few jobs and have to go through a bunch of different things to, I don't know, a lot of different goals and barriers to get where they want to be. So I can relate to that. And I'm empathetic to that. That's awesome. One of the things that was on your profile, I think it was on the realtor.com profile, was that you like to work with first time home buyers. Yes. Which I think is great. And those people certainly fall into that category. You know, first time home buyers are a special group of people. They're a group of people that we pay a lot of attention to, right? Mm -hmm. We always want people to be able to to be able to buy a home and to work against the barriers that keep them from doing that. Could you share with us a little bit about your work with first-time home buyers and some of the barriers that you see them facing right now? So right now, I would say a lot of my clients are first-time home buyers. And within the past five years, it seems like the first-time home buyer is getting younger and younger. But a lot of the barriers they're facing is that they may not have enough money for a down payment. They may not have been taught the importance of having a good credit score or building some of the credit lines and things like that. So a lot of them are learning that they have to build their credit, which is taking them a little bit longer. So I think that once they're being more educated, they're able to buy more quickly. So some of the barriers I'm definitely seeing is that they don't have the down payment money. They aren't sure what to do. So my passion is to educate them on how to get where they need to be to buy if they're not ready or to give them the resources they need Uh, I remember a few years ago, it seemed like the only thing that was available was maybe OFA funds. But now it seems like there's so many more options. There's a lot of lenders that are offering first-time homebuyer programs, kind of getting them where they need to be if their credit's not quite there yet with credit repair companies. And then also they're just getting outbid because a lot of times the only product available for them may be an FHA loan because they don't have the down payment and they're getting outbid with multiple offer situations because there's so many people bidding that a lot of sellers are going to choose maybe a conventional or a cash product instead. And that's a great point. I mean, you know, that down payment we too see as a sizable barrier for people of all generations, really, you know, depending upon when you're coming into the market. Last General Assembly, we attempted to pass a first time home buyer bill that would allow people to save uh, for that down payment. It did not quite make it. I think Beth Wanless, our Lobbyists will give it another go, this General Assembly, but we certainly will keep you in mind because we're always looking for people to come testify and share their stories about why this is important. So thank you for doing that. I think it's really interesting that your dad built homes. Like what a great background. You know, I'm here too. You say you specialize in new construction, rentals. It's almost kind of like that commercial side of residence, you know, commercial real estate, also kind of the building part of that. Right now, do you focus more on just the selling of homes? Or are you still engaged over on the building side and the construction side and maybe even in some commercial spaces? Not the building side as much anymore. My dad only does maybe one or two a year. And there's been such a high demand for new construction that it's usually someone that's already purchased the lot and wants them to build the home. He hasn't done any spec type of homes lately. 
but I do see myself working with a lot of sellers because in this market, things are going off in maybe four or five days. If the house is sitting longer than that, then you know it's an issue with price or maybe something that needs to be done with the house. So I am working with a lot of sellers right now, but I can never pull myself away from working with the buying side because it's so rewarding. It's so much work. You know, sometimes my buyers will lose out on three or four offers before they get the home they need, even if we're using special strategies to try to get their offer noticed more so. But definitely sellers right now a little more. That's awesome. I want to know what advice would you give to those first time home buyers? And I think, you know, that's so true. I know that I have multiple friends who want to buy a house and then, you know, you realize you're looking at home. And you're like 10% of that. Whoa. Like who, who who has that, you know, in the banks, especially with millennials, as we talked about are becoming these new home buyers and dealing with some of the things that we know millennials struggle with as far as student loans and, you know, things of that nature. So what, what is some advice that you would give to those first time home buyers or people thinking about, you know, I, I might be wanting to own a home in the next couple of years? I would let them know that it's important to save money. So even if it's a little bit extra every month from their paycheck or maybe cutting down on some expenses, I have a lot of first-time buyers that were able to save just because of COVID because they used to go out to eat or go to bars, but now they're putting that money away and they're able to save better. So a lot of them are looking to buy a home this first quarter. Also, I would let them know that if you know they're working with an agent to kind of encourage them to think outside the box when they're placing an offer, maybe ask to cover part of the seller's closing costs or, you know, suggest that they don't have to move the personal property out of the basement. They'll do it themselves if it's an older person selling. Just something interesting to get that offer noticed, even if it may not be the highest offer. Great advice. I love that. And also, if you're thinking about it, contact Heather Summers. She will (laughs) help you. (laughs) Absolutely. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, Visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Okay, tell us about some of the revitalization that you're seeing in the Akron and Cleveland suburbs. And when you first reached out to us and you're like, hey, I would love to be a part of this podcast. We're like, yes, we would love to have you. But, you know, what do you want to talk about? And, yeah. um, you know, you, you brought this topic up. So um, I'm really excited to hear, you know, what you're seeing, your perspective, your thoughts on some of the things that you're seeing there with the revitalization in, in the suburbs up in the Northeast Ohio area. Sure. So I think it's almost forced revitalization more quickly because a lot of suburbs in Cleveland and Akron were already slowly being revitalized by investors. But because some of the, I guess, quote unquote, more desirable suburbs in the past are now being so high in price that a lot of buyers are being pushed out of that area. So for example, I live in Medina, which is kind of smack dab in the middle of Akron and Cleveland. And the house prices have gone up so much that homes are selling at 100 to I think 104%, if I look correctly on the MLS, from list price to sale price. So if you're not going over asking, you're really not going to get it. And the average home price is over 250,000. So for first time home buyers, it's very difficult. So what I'm seeing, one suburb in particular is Parma, is a suburb of Cleveland. 
And a few years ago, the house prices weren't very high. It was affordable, but also it wasn't an area that a lot of people were looking in. But now I have so many first time home buyers, so many buyers that are having families that are growing or someone that's an investor too look in that area because the house prices are still more affordable and investors are buying these properties. They're making them look nicer. They're updating them and they're reselling them for a lot more money. So I think it's really helping the suburbs grow and you know, the dynamic changes that we're having is just really helpful for Cleveland and Akron in general. Yeah, that's awesome. And I also um, have read some some articles and, and seen some things online about how COVID has impacted the suburbs and, and more and more people, you know, are moving out of the cities, out of more congested areas, it back into the suburbs for more space, a bigger yard. We're spending more time at home. Some of the things that you can't get in a traditional, you know, downtown or city living area, you know, you're finding in the suburbs. Do you think that plays a factor as well? Or what have you seen with COVID now impacting this revitalization? You read my mind. That's what I was going to touch on next. With so many millennial buyers and buyers and generations after that, working from home has become such a huge thing now. And so many employers are shifting to full-time cloud-based or at least part-time cloud-based working from home is that I'm seeing that just having home office space is more important than location anymore. And there are a lot of clients that are moving further out. So we have a lot of suburbs of Medina that are more rural and people are choosing to move out that way. And, you know, a few years ago, well and septic would scare a buyer, but now they're not concerned about it because they do want that property. They want to live in a space that the size of the home doesn't matter as much, but it's more having that land and kind of having that peace and being by a big city isn't as important as it used to be. Yeah. Oh, septic. That word, I tell you. So our current CEO, Scott Williams, was the head lobbyist for 20 plus years for the association. And he got to spend a lot of time working on septics. <laughs> if you're ever around him and you say that word, he'll probably start to shake or get just really mad. <laughs> but you're right. That's really interesting that people are not so much concerned about that anymore, but just looking yeah. for some space to expand. Do you feel like the rural areas have the capacity to expand much? Are there is there enough inventory out there? Or do you see maybe building moving out into the rural areas? I think that building is definitely what I'm seeing more so. I'm seeing a lot of the larger builders like Dries Homes, Ryan Homes, building more subdivisions in areas where I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of, you know, in the middle of nowhere. But then like, no, there are little cities nearby that I never knew about. There are a lot of people moving. I actually have a client out Talmadge area, which is a little bit past Akron. You know, it's right off the highway, but there isn't much around there. But Dries is building a development there. We help put them under contract there. So it seems like that's what a lot of people are doing because the inventory is not there out in those areas. Yeah. So we know low inventory is a problem. What other market conditions are you seeing in your area? I'm seeing a lot of homes going way over asking price. I am not seeing too many low appraisals. I think I had 30 two or three transactions last year, and only two of them went under value through the appraisal. One of them was only by a couple thousand and they were able to make up the difference. So that's what I'm seeing is it's the values keep going higher and higher just because inventory is lower and there's more and more buyers coming on. Yeah, we need we need some more people to sell their homes. Now's yes. a great time despite COVID. You know, it's it's always a good time. Do you, if you had a crystal ball and, and, you know, we're looking down, you know, maybe two, three, four, five years down the line, do you think these trends will continue or, or um, you know, is this just a result of COVID and, you know, the current times or do you think that these changes are here to stay? 
I think that these changes are going to be here for another two or three years, maybe four tops. And then I think the market will start to shift just because it's a cyclical market. But right now, it seems like the Fed isn't going to do anything with interest rates for a few more years. So I feel good at least through 2023 with these trends continuing. That's exciting. So I know we talked about advice for individuals interested in buying or selling a home during this time. What about realtors who who are experiencing this and, and you're seeing so much success in your business and having really great things to celebrate, what would you say to the realtors who are in this market and maybe experiencing some of the same things that you are? Well, that's that's great timing with that because we just had our Tuesday meeting yesterday and talked about what our goals are for this year. And everyone was able to agree with me that it's good to slow down. We're so busy right now. It's probably some people's busiest year they ever had last year. Definitely as a realtor, it was it was my busiest year last year. I think it's important to slow down to take each client one at a time. I often find myself sending a quick email or a text message while I'm showing a home, but I have to sit back and go, I'm here to show this home right now and try to sell this home and help this client. So I think it's important to slow down, make sure that we're doing our job the best we can with the best integrity we can and to not multitask. I think that we are oftentimes are multitasking too much and maybe not doing the best we could. So in, it's important to slow down and we can always get back to people if they give us a call as, you know, to make sure that we still keep on everything. I love that. Be in the present moment, focus on, you know, where you are in that moment in time and not about, you know, the million other distractions that we have going on. Right. I love that. And I know we were just chatting before we started recording and we're all like, we're so crazy. We're so stressed, <laughs> you know, and, and as we're recording this, it's just a couple of days into the new year coming off of Christmas break. So it's crazy, you know, and it is important. All of those things that you've mentioned to keep our ourselves sane and, and mentally well and also our business mentally well. So that's some great advice. You talked a little bit about 2021 goals, Heather. You know, you also just said that you, for the first time, are you get to do real estate as a as your only job, right? You right. know, other than being a mom, of course. But so what are some of your goals for yourself, your professional development, and for your business? Some of my goals are to prioritize my time better. I feel like I spend a lot of time maybe on, maybe focusing on clients that aren't necessarily ready to buy or sell yet. My goal, which already hit me hard January 1st, is I started to get calls from sellers that I even sold homes to a year or two ago, and they're already ready to go because rates are so low and they want to move up to that next home. So I'm making sure I stay focused on my direct sphere of influence and anyone that's potentially looking right now, first quarter, and just kind of organize it in a more timely manner so that I'm not wasting time when I'm missing out on other opportunities. That's great. I want to know, Heather, what does real estate mean to you? We, we heard a little bit about the relationship with your father and growing up with him and, you know, you being nine years old and, and selling houses with him and being his little sidekick. What does it mean to you? And um, do you think, you know, you will expose your own child to this world of real estate and have her doing some of the similar, you know, things and showing houses and, and stuff like that that you did when you were a child? Ooh, I don't know. That's pretty stressful to put on her. <laughs> but, <laughs> probably. But probably. Uh, so I think that it kind of sums it up in one word for me is integrity. That's how I grew up is you have to be trustworthy. You have to put your feet in the weeds and get in there and do the hard work sometimes. And I think that integrity is the number one thing that helps keep your business going. If you work really hard, you keep those connections, you give your client all the answers they need with all the background as to why, and you have that knowledge, 
Or you can be honest and say, I don't know the answer. Let me find out. Always be truthful and always have integrity. And I think that'll make your business just grow so much because word of mouth is really how you keep things going. That's how real estate is summed up to me is having good integrity because it feels good in your heart. And it doesn't, you know, it's not a job anymore at that point. It just becomes part of your life and it makes you feel good. And, you know, it's a part of the code of ethics. You know, that's one of the reasons why I think the code of ethics exists is to maintain that integrity. And, you know, you follow it every day in in your professional life and I'm sure in your personal life, too. So any last words of wisdom or or things um, you want to share before you wrap up today? I think that it's important, like I said, to make sure that we keep on our clients. And like you said, we keep following the code of ethics because I didn't even think, you know, that the code of ethics is is something that I have to, I don't think about that every day because I, I already am honest and I already do the best I can, but it is so important to follow that because right now there's a lot of agents that are newer and they may not think that way. They may think that, you know, we have to get, we have to get this sale. We have to do this. It's very competitive right now, but that's why I'm saying slow down, be truthful, follow the code of ethics and your business will keep growing even when the market does slow down, if it does so in the next few years. Love that. Perfect. Well, Heather, I hope that, you know, we get to see you in a leadership capacity with our association someday because I think you would be awesome and and you would rock it. So thank you for joining us today. Heather, realtor, mom, go-getter. We love it. Thank you for joining us today. And hopefully we will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time. This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.